Hola, hola, beautiful beings. Welcome to Witch Direction, a weekly podcast about studying and practicing both witchcraft and curanderismo, all while experiencing and sharing life's twists, turns, ups, and downs. Please join me, Michael G. Maestas, El Corazón del Brujo. Let's dive into which direction life presents us with next. Beautiful gente. Thank you so much for joining me. It fills my heart with such gratitude to share with you all through our journeys of living life. Today, we will talk about experiencing incredible loss. We'll talk about forgiveness and incorporating the term what happened. And we will end with a simple ritual to support the process of forgiveness. I do need to provide a warning slash disclaimer before I get into this episode. I will be sharing a painful memory and violent reality my family and I experienced and how I am personally working through it. For my family listening, I love you and please consider where you are at and if you are ready to hear what I will be sharing. And the same goes out to all of you. I hope to present this with the utmost respect and do not mean to harm anyone who may feel differently. This past week, we welcomed a new teen girl into our home. We now have six children total. Good Lord, right? Our baby, who just turned three, and I cannot believe that three years have flown by just so fast. She is 100% wild in all the right ways and absolutely rules our home. However, when you see her beautiful almond-shaped eyes, her long, long curly eyelashes, her beautiful beaming smile, and precious little giggle, she will absolutely melt your heart, no matter how crazy she's been driving Yeah, We have our nine-year-old twin boys, which I've talked about before, and one of them you were introduced to last week. I am hoping to have my other son, Hano, on soon as well. And finally, we have our three teen girls we foster. They are 14, 15, and our newest is 17. I work in child welfare and continue to see the difficulty that remains in finding homes for teens. So my husband and I have chosen to specifically offer our home to teen girls. When a new teen comes in, it is always a dance, so to speak, to try to be warm and welcoming while gauging their comfort level as they may have just been taken from their home due to some sort of abuse or neglect and are literally being placed into the home of strangers. Or this could be their 19th home they are being placed in and are wondering how long will this one last. Both of those examples we have experienced and I cannot imagine the emotions they must be facing. On 
the first day, as we get to know each other, we kind of hit basic topics like, here's your space, where to put your stuff, here's where you'll find snacks, cups, towels, etc. And we also do talk about mutual expectations of one another and things like that and so on and so on. In our home, <clears throat> we have dinner together every night at the table, unless we go out, um, and we still eat at the table there together, and we pray before our meals. So this is something that we tell our foster youth in advance and let them know they are welcome to join. Just sit tight while we offer thanks or bring whatever their practice may be. So during dinner, uh, this is just last week that, that she came, the newest youth asked if we go to church. And my husband and I kind of looked at each other and both actually kind of shrugged our shoulders and let her know that we do not go to church. I would like to add that he and I have vastly different views on spirituality. He was raised in a very Catholic home, attending mass multiple days a week, and went through all of the um, <clears throat> holy sacraments as he grew up. Um, because of this, he received years of teachings telling him that who he is as a gay person, he would be going to hell. And I feel he's been stuck at a juncture where he struggles with his faith. He has a beautiful heart and believes in God. And I hope one day soon that he will find what works best for him. I, on the other hand, do not, do not believe in a patriarchal God whose gospel is spread and taught through a fear-based practice. My podcast, my perspective. Growing up, my grandma would read the Bible daily. Literally, she would sit at the table every night before bed and read the Bible, making her highlights and her annotations. I would attend church with her on occasion and some of my other cousins who attended church regularly, similar uh, to my husband's family. During those times, both inside and outside of church, I also received many hurtful statements and messages that apparently would damn me to hell just because of minuscule aspects and a much larger picture of who I am. I feel extremely fortunate that I have always felt a settling in, in my soul since a young age that my creator would see me, truly see me for all of the good and struggle I am made up of. Love me just as I am and never toss me to the side or into flames like a bag of trash. This is something my grandma helped give me peace with when I was around the age of 11 or 12. We were having a conversation in an old beat up car and I am so grateful this happened before she passed about a year or so later. I cannot imagine God, I'm doing my air quotes here, giving us this opportunity of life, experiences of joy, 
beauty, discomforts, and pain. All while we are trying to navigate relationships through all of the ups and downs we encounter, then you're gonna burn in hell for eternity with some scary looking guy that gets off by torturing people for eternal damnation? I'm sorry, but that's just a crock of bullshit to me. Excuse my language, that's just a crock of crap. I do not believe in hell or the devil, which leads me to today's episode. So let's talk about it by getting back to our newest member in the house. As time continues, we get into more of the dynamics of living together and figuring out who each of us are. Saturday night, this past Saturday night, she and I found ourselves talking at the dining table while I was doing some beadwork. She joined in and began to make herself a bracelet. Everyone else in the house was in bed. Side tip, I have found that when connecting with kids, you have the best conversations while doing some sort of activity. It is so much better than trying to actually have a face-to-face conversation. Um, It just flows much more naturally. And during that time, we somehow came back up on the religion topic again. To me, it seemed clear that if she asked us if we went to church and was talking about religion again now, this is something that is important and on her mind. So I tried to answer all of her questions as objectively as possible while redirecting many of the questions back toward her so she could share more about herself and what her comforts and beliefs are. Do I believe in heaven and hell came up? I sat for a few, wondering how best to answer. I shared believing the idea of heaven sounds incredible and I do believe we will connect with loved ones after this physical life. I also did share that the notion of people burning in hell just didn't resonate with me. She went on to say, I don't believe anyone should go to hell unless they commit murder. This struck a very personal chord within me my mind raced with how I should respond to her. Do I nod and agree with her statement? Or do I tell her how I really feel and display vulnerability? I chose to be honest because this is a topic that has affected me on so many levels. So I told her I disagreed that I really do not believe in hell, and I can't imagine even a murderer living in hell for eternity. Her face appeared to be taken aback. I then went on to share with her that my grandma's life was taken by senseless violence. I now am choosing to share more with you all. This loss of my grandma crushed. It literally crushed the hearts of my mother and her siblings, my cousins, our family, our larger extended family, friends, myself. She was 63 when her life was taken. 
it hurts to this day as it feel like it feels like it was just a second ago that I saw her on a Thursday evening in the passenger seat of a car. I remember running to the cars they were leaving and I took her a flower that I had just picked from the yard to give to her. As I gave it to her, she asked if I would be at the house on Friday. And I told her, no, Grandma, I would not because I was going camping with my uncles and cousins for an annual boys camping trip. And that was the last time I saw her. Her life was ended the next evening. This was, excuse me, I'm trying to keep myself together. This was an extremely dark time for all of our family and all of the others whose lives she had touched. I remember one of the many court hearings held for the trial of the man who took her life. The judge on this occasion allowed her grandchildren, including myself, to speak to the court and let all in that courtroom know just how much she meant and what a devastation this was to our family. She was the matriarch of our family, the absolute spokes to the wheel for our family. And one of the few people in my life I have experienced unconditional love from. I can recall the district attorney, along with my aunts and uncles in agreement, asking for the death penalty. Seeing the man who committed this crime sit in front of you at a table with his attorney, watching as she spoke to the court in her cream blazer, rubbing his back and stating, poor Mr. Insert the last name. As if he was the victim in this circumstance, it boiled my blood, my body, and my mind with disgust. I held on to those particular feelings toward her, that attorney, until about a year ago. And that in and of itself could be a whole nother episode for another time. As a 13-year-old child, my heart felt a huge amount of discomfort and disagreement, thinking that we, our family, could have an impact on the ending of another person's life, his blood would then be on our hands. Again, I was 13, and this was not a subject my family wanted to discuss with kids. I knew in my heart that my grandma would absolutely disagree and would not want any malintent or harm caused to this man and especially from her children and family. At this point, I was hearing so many remarks about how could he, what was he thinking? Why did he commit such a horrific act? How awful of a person he had to be and so, so many other statements you can only imagine. We later found out he was out on parole for other violent acts against women. My grandma's happened to be the last crime he would commit outside of prison. These statements I was hearing 
led me to the term, what happened? I could not and cannot believe in my heart that people are innately evil, intentionally want to cause harm or bring about sadness and chaos. What happened to this man in his life that brought him to this point? I could not and cannot hold a space for hate. I could not agree with asking for his life to be taken. That would not bring her back. It is absolutely not what she would want, and it is not something my family needed to carry on our hands. What happened to this man? How was he treated? What did he experience in his life? These were all questions I held onto as a youth, into my adulthood, and still today. After months, the trial came to an end with a verdict of guilty to serve the remainder of his life in prison with no potential for parole. The man who committed this crime was found to be cognitively delayed with an IQ under 70. And in the state of Colorado, at that time, a person who was classified then as mentally retarded could not receive the death penalty. In my heart of hearts, I know this man was able to read and held a much higher cognitive capacity than the test results they performed on him stated. I was undeniably thankful for the outcome. I did not share these details with the youth in my home. What I did tell her is that I did not believe murderers would go to hell. And I did share that my grandma's life was taken by a senseless, violent crime. I simply stated, I do not know and I cannot imagine what happened to this man who committed this tragedy. What happened? I added that I believe in a higher being that would not continue to punish those who have been hurt so tremendously that their lives leave them in these circumstances. To all of you, I am in no way offering a space for excusing hurtful, harmful behavior on any level. I am, however, asking you to take a pause and ask yourself what happened. I incredibly at a young age forgave this man and continue to hold no harmful feelings toward him. I do continue to ask that he will find what I believe divine essence to be. I ask that he be touched by and find love within and for himself. For others he has harmed and for those that have harmed him. This past Monday morning comes and I come into work. I received a file on my desk that needed to be assigned. I read the allegations in the file and it struck me right in the heart and it just fell into my stomach. As I was assigning the case to the person who will be working with this family, she looked up the name and began reading the news reports. As she read the reports aloud, tears began to run down my cheek. The words she was speaking took me back to being 13 and hearing those horrific events we experienced. After she left, I had some time to gather myself to process and think about 
how this was affecting me. Yes, I was hearing about a murder, horrible acts by one human to another, and it hurt. The more I contemplated internally, I realized I'm still holding on to the hurt I experienced. I believe I often go back to this pain and have not let it go. I feel I've used this pain and tragedy as an excuse for some of my shortcomings. There is nothing wrong with feeling these emotions, yet for me, I just realized it is not okay to use this experience as an excuse. To not live my fullest life and attempt things that I may thrive or possibly fail at. My grandma would never want her passing to cause this pain over all these years. I am in need of forgiving myself from attaching to the hurt, grief, and loss of her. Rather than embracing all of the absolutely wonderful time and memories that I have with her. That is what should be remembered, embraced, and shared. This episode today is truly a moment of self-forgiveness and the realization that I have been holding onto the wrong parts of my life experience. I want to thank you all for being part of this. I love my gram. She was so kind, loving, warm. She hid pop in the bottom of the oven drawer. Even though we knew it was there, she thought it was a hiding spot. She would yell at us for getting into the junk drawer. She would make yummy snacks of whipped cream. Simply whipped cream on a plate, and it was delicious. She would cut squares of the government cheese that came in those big old long black and brown boxes for us to snack on. Oh, that was yummy. I would cross-stitch with her at the table. And when my uncles would ask, what is he doing? She would reply, Deja el niño, está bien. Leave him alone, he's okay. She loved, loved watching wrestling. She loved cartoons, read her Bible every day. And the house would always smell of fresh roasted chile, which she would chop up and put on everything. I love my grandma and am so ready to leave the hurt we experienced behind. No more. And as she said, I'm okay. I want to thank you all again for the time you have given to allow me to share with you what I did today. Let's end with a simple ritual for forgiveness. And leading into it, this quote speaks to my heart, and I hope it may resonate with you in some way. By far, the strongest poison to the human spirit is the inability to forgive oneself or another person. Forgiveness is no longer an option but a necessity for healing. And that is by Carolyn Miss or Mys, M-Y-S-S. Now, a ritual I connect with, and you may try. I like to light incense or resins as an offering while I do any type of ritual work. If that's not for you, I totally understand, and I would like you to consider 
the different aromas incense offer and some of the natural benefits of those aromas. Simply lighting lavender incense may help you to relax during this forgiveness process. Once you are in a comfortable space, begin to write a letter to yourself or the person you want to forgive. List your views, your perspectives, your feelings on what happened and how his, her, or your actions have caused you or others so much hurt. Take time doing this. Let it out. Once you've let out every feeling and thought on paper, roll it up like a scroll and tie a black string around it. The black string to me is a symbol of tying off the negativity and hurt of the experience. Black also absorbs negative energy, allowing the words you have written to peacefully take to the sky and smoke. Light your fireplace, fire pit, a bonfire, a cauldron, or some kind of fire safe, that's the key word, fire safe container. And when you're ready, burn those words. Release all you have written and are feeling. Your willingness to let the past go up in smoke will allow you to find out who you are without those ties and useless weights on and within your body. Forgiveness may not happen in one step, one prayer, or one ritual. It may take more than once to release the pain you're experiencing by doing this. I believe in order to forgive someone who hurt us, we have to see their pain and feel our own. Take the time you need for yourself and your situations. Forgiveness can be a beautiful practice. Muchísimas gracias. I appreciate all of your support more than you can imagine. If you haven't subscribed, please, please do so. If you have an iPhone, please search Apple Podcasts for which direction. Subscribe there and please rate it. Five stars melt my heart. If you have comments or questions, I absolutely love hearing from you. Please email me at whichdirectionmm at gmail.com. You can leave me a message here on Anchor. And please check out the Which Direction MM Instagram. I hope to have you back next week to see which direction we will take then. Much love and respect. Michael G. Maestas, El Corazón del Brujo.